This is the Revenue with Real Estate podcast, helping you understand the real risks and rewards of profitable real estate investing so that you can lead a life that you love. Are you ready to talk some real estate investing? What's up, guys and girls? Welcome to the Revenue with Real Estate podcast. I'm your host, Doug Myers, and on this episode of the show, I'm bringing in another podcast host to be my guest, fellow real estate investor, host of the Real Talk with Gary podcast, wealth, health, and everything in between, Gary Hibbert. Gary Hibbert is a full-time real estate investor, licensed and award-winning real estate agent, author, and educator. In 2008, he made a decision that would become life-changing by purchasing his first investment property. Through hard work and dedication, Gary left the corporate world to become a full-time entrepreneur in 2014. And today, not only does he have a remarkable real estate investing portfolio and successful businesses, Gary continually inspires the same change that transformed his life into others. At the beginning, Gary was living paycheck to paycheck as many others do. He had become accustomed to the reality that at the end of each month, there wasn't much left over. And realizing that there must be another way to make ends meet, he became determined to educate himself and to make a change. However, at that point, he hadn't yet realized that by changing his own life, it would enable him to help hundreds of future investors to find their path to financial freedom as well. So in 2010, Gary launched Smart Home Choice, a company dedicated to educating new and experienced investors through a focus on smart goals in order to allow them to make informed decisions in their investing strategies. Currently, Smart Home Choice is one of Durham Region's largest group of real estate investors. That's in Ontario for our folks here in the West Coast. Largest groups of real estate investors, and the company is continually growing, offering networking, mentoring, and self-improvement opportunities to its members. In addition to Smart Home Choice, Gary is the owner of a private investment company called Deep Pockets and most recently has joined in a partnership of ownership of a real estate brokerage called Our Neighborhood Realty. He attributes his success to his focus on improving his mindset rather than improving his skill set and most importantly, discovering his why, something that he's dedicated to helping others realize as well, because that was the realization that led Gary to where he is today. In our wide-ranging conversation, Gary shares how and why he got started in real estate investing, why outpacing inflation requires more than having a job. He talks about his process and mindset shifts around moving from an employee to becoming an investor and business owner. We do at points get a little bit more tactical in talking about how Gary built his real estate investing portfolio, including the strategies he used and why you don't need your own money to build a portfolio. From that point, we talk a lot about lifestyle decisions and how real estate investing plays into the creation of a lifestyle. Things like realizing that he didn't need any more, how there are so many different ways to make a return in real estate, where most investors get stuck, and shifting investing strategies over time to get what you want out of real estate investing as your priorities change. Gary was a fantastic guest to have on the show, a really easy conversation to have, lots of nuggets in this conversation. I know you're going to learn a lot. If you enjoy the show and you want to connect with Gary further, you can find him online at www.smarthomechoice.ca 
or his personal website at GaryHibbert.ca. You'll find him on Facebook under Smart Home Choice on Instagram, Gary Hibbert. And of course, you can check out his podcast, Real Talk with Gary, Wealth, Health, and Everything in Between. That is available wherever you find podcasts, including this one. And now it's time to welcome the man to the show. Here he is on the Revenue with Real Estate podcast, Gary Hibbert. How's it going, my friend? It's going good. How are you doing? Good, good. It's good to see you again. You got a nice clear yeah. camera and, and you look like you got your mic all, all yeah. set up. Yeah. Can you can you hear me properly? Yeah, dude. You sound great. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Right on. How's good. it going? Excited to do this. Yeah, yeah. Me too, man. I've been looking forward to it. I got, got my notes. Yeah. I got, my, right. got my flow, but yeah, all good. Yeah. How you been, man? It's good to see you. Yeah, I've been good. It's been, uh, it's been busy. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's... Sure, the real estate market out there in Vancouver is just as crazy as it is out here, right? So yep. we're just trying to find new ways to, to to find deals for our clients when when you've got like you know 15, 20, 30, 30 offers, right? So it, it does make it a little tricky, but we're but we're finding ways. You know, it's, it's this has actually been probably one of our best years ever. So so we're nice. happy with that. Congrats, man. That's that's good to hear. It's uh yeah, yeah it's it's been wild everywhere. The the bulk of my activity is actually in Regina. But um, yeah. yeah, I mean, even even there, we've seen conditions in Regina that just out of control. <laughs> so you haven't seen anything like that out in that area either? No, no. And I mean, I've only started really paying attention to it since I started living there, which was in 2017. Yeah. Um, and got familiar with it. And now just, you know, that's that's one of the places where I invest. So, but yeah, I mean, just kind of a, a buyer's market for many, many years, prices on the decline. And then, yeah, past six months, really, past year at this point, I would say, actually. It's yeah. been just like, whew. Yeah, crazy. And, and then you sit there and you watch, uh, what's his name there, Tiff McClem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, inflation is under 2%. Right. What planet are you on? <laughs> like, yeah, nothing to see here. Keep, 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 keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. You know? and, and the sad part is that some people actually believe some of these numbers, right? When they're saying that, yeah, inflation in Canada was only you know, less than 2% last year. And I, and, I, and I guess, you know what, maybe it could be right. If, if you're, if you're including Yukon territory and, and all these, like every place else, but you know, I think if you're looking at inflation, you got to look at marketplace. And so if the homes in my area, like in Durham region where, where we're from, they went up like almost 25% last year. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's inflation because what does everybody need? Shelter and food. Mm-hmm. And so now if, if, if I had a hundred thousand that was sitting in the bank account, you just wiped out a big piece of my purchasing power. Totally. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. That was one of the yeah. points I had on here to maybe dive in a little bit with you on, on, on inflation and the history of it. Cause that seemed like a topic that you, you had a decent pulse on. So We'll see. Yeah, we can, we'll see. If, yeah, we can definitely we'll touch see on if that we get sure. in there. But uh, I'm I'm not in formal mode for intros. I just really wanted to make sure your audio sounded good and it's already good. So I just cut and and have a good time and have a conversation. So I hope All that right. works for you. I'm good with it. I, I like the uh, the conversations like this. I have no idea what we're going to talk about. But it's probably going to be about real estate investing. <laughs> it might be. It might be. We might, <laughs> might talk about cars at some point. I don't Who know. knows? Who knows? The weather, as you can see, this giant. I have no way of making this better. 
that I really don't. Yeah, this is just this is okay. the sun on the window cover. I don't I don't release the video. It's, it's hard to tell right now, but is, is it overcast or is it sunny out there? It's very sunny. This is, is a it? Very, okay. Yeah, this is a very sunny day. Um, yeah, we've been getting great weather, man. It's coming up to on like eighteen today, which is nice. fantastic for the whole week. Should be in the twenties. I'm gonna get on the beach volleyball court. You know, trying prevent a sunburn. I won't say tan because that's just not gonna happen, but. Right. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, th- cool. I thought, Gary, we could maybe start with what's kind of going on recently. I remember last time we chatted, you were you were in the process of of moving. You were moving yeah. cities. How's that been? Yeah. Going? So I'm. Uh, we used to live in Ajax. We would live there for about geez, uh, 18 years or so. And and one of the reasons why we ended up moving into Ajax was we used to live in Toronto. We had a condo there. And we just essentially kind of got pushed out because it was uh, it was just a little too expensive for what we needed. Um, you know, our family was growing. And so we moved into Ajax uh, and uh, again, there for about uh, bought a townhouse that we moved to the home that we really loved there for about 15 years. And uh, my wife was completed all the renovations and uh, she's like, there's nothing here anymore i need i need a little bit more privacy in the backyard and i need to do some more renovations and so anyways we end up moving into uh into whitby and uh now we gotta do a lot more renovations so this is my new office uh you know as you can see so i'm pretty pretty happy with that uh it's like my own little um my space to do my podcast and watch a little tv if i have to and uh it's it's good it's my little relax relaxing area and uh, once this whole covid thing's over bring the boys back over and have some ufc nights (laughs) yeah this this looks nice is this uh is this a home office is this somewhere that you go it's a home office so i'm actually um it's a a bungalow so i'm in actually the loft part of the uh of of the property so i actually just got this glass wall installed yeah that looks that kind of looks down into the uh into the family room kitchen area so Mm. So yeah, it's kind of soundproofed up here, so I, I can I can be as loud as I need to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that glass, man. That looks really cool. Yeah, yeah. thanks, man. I appreciate very, it. Very, it was a little nerve wracking nice. at first because there was nothing there. It was all like there, there used to be like a little Juliet kind of balcony. Okay. So my brother in law he does renovations, so he came and ripped it all down, uh, and then it was just open for about uh, about four weeks. So it was one of those things where you walk by and you just, you know, when I was up here, I was like, okay, no drinks at all, just in case. Yeah. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you have a couple of drinks in you, right? You feel a little bit more, you know, it's liquid courage, right? A little bit more courageous. So You're like, like, yeah, no, I, could, I, mean, I could make that jump. I could land yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no. So, so my wife is happy now. We're, I'm, I'm, I'm safe again. Yeah, man. I like that vibe. That vibe looks really cool. I kind of want to be there yeah. with you. but Thanks, man. Um, I appreciate I got, that. I got my own vibe here too, right? I got the... The upside down plant, you can see it. Uh, oh yeah, cool. You know that, like that's kind of like cool, it. and the lava yeah. lamp, right? Nineteen seventies. That's all good. Yeah, uh, I, I like the yeah, uh, <laughs> I like the uh, the the sound bar that you got going on there. I actually feel like you get, you know you're in that studio there. You got yeah. the studio feel going on, so that's cool. This I like is it. this is where this is where I create. I, I like it a lot. Gary, I thought maybe we could go back to your time before maybe you started doing real estate full time, um, mm-hmm. because. It's I, I associate kind of the background that you have with with people who maybe think very specifically about money and investing, uh, because I remember you, you used to work at the bank, and I did. and that'd be a just the the difference of um, investment mindsets from where you are now to where you were before. Like I, I'd just be curious to know what it was like 
working at a bank but also saying, hey, you know, I, I kind of want to get into real estate <clears> investing and maybe there's a couple of worlds clashing there. Like what what was going on there at, at, at the bank when you used yeah, to work yeah. there? Yeah, so that's a really good question. So, you know, worked at TD Bank and I think a lot of times when people hear that I worked at the bank, they think maybe I worked in the branch or I was in finances and I wasn't. I worked in IT. So I worked with the mainframe, Ethernet cables. Um, and so when I first started there, I worked in the taper library. Uh, from there, moved into operations. And, and essentially, it was really kind of just monitoring the mainframe tandem system, the infrastructure for TD Bank. From there, moved into a team lead role. And, uh, and I can also say, like, I, I really enjoyed working at TD Bank in, in those beginning years. I really did. Then moved up to... Um, uh, shift manager and uh, went into, uh, uh, and I think I, when I, once I moved into that position, then I really kind of started questioning things because then I was like, okay, well, what's the next level? Senior management, VP, all that, and whether or not I was going to get there or not, um, it was, where do I go next? And then what I also started realizing was that the, the income that I was making wasn't keeping up with inflation. And so there was this one particular day, this was back in 2008. If you remember when the, uh, the, the U.S. had their, their major uh, market crash. Mm-hmm. And so in Canada, especially in the Toronto area, we were kind of, I would say, unscathed. We, we didn't really see it hit the real estate market. It was a bit more of a flat line that year. But what was happening, though, I think companies were bracing for it that there was going to be a downturn. And so there was this one particular day I go into work and we, we call it black Monday and sitting in my cubicle, minding my own business. I see one of my coworkers go in, he comes out and you can see the look on his face it was like, Oh yeah, it's on. Like he just got let go. And this is going to be one of those days. And they just kept calling people in and they were just letting people go. And, uh, and I remember just feeling a lot of fear, anxiety, because I just bought the home that we had in Ajax there. And I'm like, I can't lose this job. I got two young kids. I was, I was a breadwinner. And anyway, so four o'clock rolls around, manager comes out and he goes, okay, that's it. We're good. We're not letting go of anybody else. I know it was a rough day. And I remember, I think this is probably what kind of changed my life, I think, at that particular point, driving home and saying, never again will I allow somebody to be in control of my financial freedom or future. And that was the, that was really the start, I think, of exploring and looking into how do I, how do I not rely on somebody else? How do I stand up on my own two feet and, uh, and kind of make my own mark in, in this world? And, uh, and, and it, it took a little while. It took a good, I think, six months or so trying a whole bunch of different things until I think I eventually kind of stumbled into real estate investing. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. I I can uh, relate in, in some sense to a, a judgment day, <laughs> as it were. Yeah. Uh, I, I used to be a mining engineer and I worked at a mine where a little bit later, 2013, 2014, and there were rumblings that the mine was going to get shut down. And uh, yeah, I, I remember waking up one day and there's this big poster on, on the cafeteria wall. It said town hall meeting, right? So everybody at the site's got to come to the uh, to the town hall meeting. And um, yeah, you we, we heard on a, on a Thursday or whatever, four 747s come into camp. <laughs> right. And we were like, 
that's weird. Uh, there's no there's no flights on Thursday morning, so I wonder what's going on. And yeah, sure enough, you know that day shut down the mine. Five hundred plus people lost their jobs just like that. And yeah. um, you know, one after another, we all left site. Uh, grab your stuff, and <laughs> you're gone. Um, yeah. And it's yeah, it's a shocking feeling, right? I, I yeah. can you know feel for other people who are in the same situation. So. And and I and I think yeah. what ends up happening as well too is that you feel like and I'm not knocking a nine to five job by any means. There's mm-hmm. lots of great jobs out there. Mm-hmm. It's just I think some people just become so reliant on it, and that they then end up sometimes. This is what happened to me, anyways. Just talking from experience, you start to lose your creativity um, because now fast forwarding forward to doing what I'm doing today, there are so many different ways to make money. And it's one of those things where you look back and I was like, man, I should have done this sooner. But you don't know what you don't know, you know, and, and I think that's really what it kind of comes down to until you actually start to, to, to look and see are there other ways that I don't have to rely on a company or one other person for me to, you know, survive. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? So then after that, it ended up happening. I tried a whole bunch of different things. I tried currency trading. So I was, you know, buying the yen and the Aussie and the Canadian dollar and doing that and waking up four o'clock in the morning, you know, and, and trying to figure out the trends and looking at candlesticks and, and all these different things. And then that didn't work. And then I got into commodity trading, um, buying wheat, soybeans, oil, uh, you know, in the futures. And um, I tried a whole bunch of different things. And while I was doing that, I was losing money because I really didn't know what I was doing. I was just trying different things to say, hey, is there a way that I can make additional income? And um, I'll never forget this day either. And so I went to the bank. This is the third time now that I've gone to the bank to do a refinance, to take pretty much all my debt and put it into my mortgage. And so I remember sitting there with, um, with my financial advisor. And she's like, you are not good with credit cards and, and, and lines of credits. And I'm like, no, I want nothing to do with it. Cut them all up. I'm done. I'm finished. I, I want nothing to do with debt. And, and again, you know, um, looking back at it now, I just didn't understand how to use debt properly. And so she leaves the office. She goes to bring all the forms in for me to sign. I look up on the wall and there's this index chart. And I don't know if you know what the index chart is or, or your followers, but essentially the index chart is this big chart. They have it in almost every financial advisor's office, and it shows you what interest rates have done for the last 50 years. It shows you what the stock market has done for the last 50 oh, years. Oh, yeah, okay. It shows, yep. like, it's all these different lines and graphs. And so I keyed mm-hmm. in on what inflation was doing. Inflation was doing anywhere from, you know, 3% to as high as 15 or 20%. And I'm like, well, hold on a second. If inflation, if you average it out, say inflation is doing 5% a year over the last 50 years, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little less. Um. And I was like, well, my raise at work last year, and it was a decent raise, was $1,000. You know, how many people get a $1,000 raise every year? Some, come, you know, industry, sure, and others, they don't see raises for years. And so I did the math, and I'm like, based on my income and that raise, the increase was like 1.6 or 1.7%. And I was like, I get it. I get it. I can't outpace inflation by just having a job. That was when the light bulb went off. And I was like, well, if my home bailed me out three times, what if I had just one more property or two more properties? How would that change my whole entire life? And then that was that was the start of it. That was the start of this is what I have to go down and explore. Hmm. That's a really interesting start for real estate. I don't think I've ever actually 
heard it put that way, but that's really yeah. cool. Really yeah. cool. And, and so I knew that I had to get into something that just outpaced inflation. And it was, mm. it was, it just always seemed to be real estate that was stable and it, it, it kept moving up. Right. And then I also took a look and as I started digging more into it, and I looked at also too, that rent also falls inflation. So if rent falls inflation, that means rent doesn't go down. So if I'm buying properties that cash flow, even if the homes go down in price, rent will continue to keep going up. If I'm buying in areas that um, have good, strong fundamentals, population increase, um, you know, job increase, infrastructure, you know, um, low vacancy rates. And so those are things that I started looking into and learning as, as, I, as I explored it. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm making it sound like, you know, those first two years or whatever, when I was investing in real estate were great. They were terrible. I had no <laughs> clue what I was doing. It was more, I, I knew I had to do cash flow and properties. I was just buying them in terrible locations because I was more focused on, on the price and trying to get it cheap. But sometimes, you know, when you get into it, cheap isn't always the best, the best thing, right? Because you, you're moving into certain areas and, and there, there are a reason why they're cheap, mm-hmm. right? So, totally. uh, you know, yeah, yeah. And so you just need to know what you're doing in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Now, Gary, what was the, what was the timeline here? Right. So you, you have this kind of, uh, not a, what's the word? I'm, I'm losing it. It's not an epiphany moment. <laughs> maybe that's the right word. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe it's, maybe it's the right word. Yeah. You, you have that, you have that moment where, you know, the, the day at work, people are getting let go and you say, Hey, yeah, I, I don't want to be ever, uh, under somebody else's, decision whether or not I'm going to be financially free. I'm not going to let that somebody else control my financial future. From mm-hmm. that day through, you know, developing your your plan and your strategy around real estate to the point where you got it to a point where, you know, as the story progresses, you you end up leaving your job. Right. And now you're doing real estate more or less, you know, full time. And we can talk about also because I love how you how you contextualize full time in real estate. What was the timeline there? Like how long did that take for you to go from there to to leaving the job? Yeah, so two thousand eight is when I first started investing in real estate. Um two thousand and nine, somewhere around there is when I was like, Okay, hold on a second. I'm I'm not doing this correctly. Uh, and so then I picked up two properties within about a year span or so. And I was like, okay, um, I need to learn from other people that are where I want it to be. Because I, what I was doing was, here's another epiphany that I had, was that standing at work at the water cooler, like literally asking my coworkers, like, hey, how do we get out of here? And, you know, we're sharing ideas. And, and I remember just, I, I said this one thing. Where I was like, okay, I, 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 things have to change here. But, but it was like, one was, I can't wait till I retire. So I was like, I mean, I was like maybe 33, 34 at the time. So I'm like, I really can't wait until I'm 65 years old. And the other thing was that now I'm trying to learn from people that are in the same bucket as me, not to knock them. It's just, they cannot tell me how to get out of it because they're in it as well too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I did then around 2009, is I joined a real estate investment club. And that is really where things and completely change because now I'm learning from people that are where I want to be. And so 2010, my wife and I started our own real estate investment club in, in the Durham region, even though we didn't know much about real estate investing, but we were like, we're going to be completely transparent and we're going to do newsletters every single week. And we're going to show people our success. And we're also going to show them our failures. 
and the mistakes that we're making and the journey that we're on. And to this day, I still do weekly newsletters. Every single week, I send it out um, on blogs or events or whatever it may be. And so from there to 2014, so I guess really, uh, you know, about six years is when I then decided to quit my full-time job. Uh, And I wrote it all down on a whiteboard uh, from the income that we wanted to make to the cars that we wanted to drive to the homes that we wanted to buy. And and so to this day, we're we're big on the whiteboard. Uh, But yeah, it took about six years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The reason why I asked that is um, I've asked a lot of people and, and I can kind of go off my own personal experience too. And it seems like the the average timeline before somebody you know, makes the decision to actually has enough for themselves to make the leap comfortably is somewhere between five and seven years. Would you, in your experience with people that you're working with who maybe go from a job to leaving it, is that uh, consistent with you as well? If they are dedicated and really um, focus on this is what I want to do and I want to leave my, my, my full-time job. Yeah. I, I think you can probably do it within yeah, five to seven years, I think is about average. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but I mean, those are ones that, again, they're super dedicated. Those are the ones that are like, this is what I really want to do because you can see it. You can see the ones that are super dedicated and this is what they want to do. Then they just have that drive. They're not worried about Netflix. They're not worried about hanging out on the weekends. They're not worried about all that, those, those, those activities. They're worried about getting to, to, to their goal because all that stuff can come back later on, you know, and, and it, it is difficult because I can tell you this for, for a good five or six years, I knew nothing that was going on on Netflix. I knew nothing really about, well, I can't wait to the weekend because the weekends were also full of me doing the work and getting my real estate license and looking at properties. It was focused on how do I get out of this nine to five job? It was like breaking, breaking out of jail. Like my life depended on it. That's what it was for me. <laughs> you know? Totally. Totally. Yeah. When you're, when you're going through this, how important slash difficult at, at different times uh, was, you know, shifting your mindset from say being an employee to being an investor and a business owner, especially in those early couple of years where, like you said, you're, you're buying the cheap properties in the tough neighborhoods and dealing with those types of problems. Those being your first experiences, those can be enough to knock a guy off and say, hey, yeah, I'm not doing this anymore. Like, how, mm-hmm. did, you, how did you keep your mindset clear during those times? The best way to keep your mindset clear is to listen to mentors. And so one of my early mentors was, uh, was Jim Rohn. And so Jim Rohn, um, I would say, really helped and guided me through it, as opposed to blaming somebody else for where I was. I started looking internally and blaming myself. Um, and so every day I got into the car, I, I switched what I was listening to from music to motivational um, speakers, Jim Rohn, Zig Ziglar, Brian Tracy, um, you know, just to name a few. And that is what really helped me. That is what kept me focused. And then here's what I did as well, too, as a tip is if I heard something powerful, I would actually pause it and then I would hit record on my phone and paraphrase what they said in my own words. Hmm. Interesting. And so then after doing that, I would actually go back and listen to it again in my own words, that actually got me comfortable to listen to my own voice as well, which is probably why maybe now I'm a little bit more comfortable doing the podcast and and public speaking. 
But then that also reinforced what they were saying. But it was also I was saying it in my own words, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so then it just stuck. And then whenever I was talking to somebody, I would find myself using some of these phrases that I was hearing from uh, a lot of these, uh, I would say, mentors that I, that I looked up to. Mm-hmm. That's what really got me through it. It was just a shift in mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I did a little video. I'll share this as well, too, just to show you how powerful the mind is. Is I just did a video today. Um, it's going to be probably going out today, I think, on Instagram. And, and I talked about public speaking because I hated public speaking. I hated it. My heart was always racing. I was always nervous. I'm like, I come home. I'm like, I'm never doing this again. I hate it. I don't want to do it. And so I remember talking to somebody and they're like, oh, I can help you with this. I'm like, how? And she goes, when you're nervous and when you're excited, the chemicals released in your body is exactly the same. And so she says, there's a reason why people, whenever they they speak in front of 10,000 people or 100,000 people, they don't say they're nervous. They go, what do they say? I am so excited to be here. Mm-hmm. So then you can see that it's a shift in mindset, right? So the chemical is still being produced. It's just how you, how you, how you think of the whole entire thing that's happening. Right. And so now you shift that into public speaking, you shift that into real estate investing, you shift that into anything. It's just all mindset. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So key. So key, man. Yeah. Uh, Gary, how'd you go about building the portfolio? What was your strategy? Everybody ta- everybody likes to know what's the strategy. You flip houses, you do this, you do that. Yeah. How'd you go about um, doing it? I, I, again, I think it comes down to mindset. And mm-hmm. once I understood, this is the, the, a huge breakthrough for me, understanding that you don't have to have the money. And so what I did was um, big on goal setting, writing down what I want on my whiteboard. And one year I wrote down that we wanted four investment properties. Now, remember, my, my, I was working at TD Bank. My wife was working at Bank of Montreal. We did not have the money to buy four investment properties. It wasn't in our lines of credit. wasn't in our bank account. So where are we going to get this? And at the end of the four years, we had four investment properties. And I'm like, I get it. It has nothing to do with money. See, people think that you actually physically have to have the money to do this, and you don't. And so how I was able to build it was through joint ventures understanding the power of money people deal um you know that you if you can control two of those the the other one will always come to you right and so we got really good at controlling the deal finding the deals we got really good at the people so which is your team um you know the lawyers and the accountants and property managers and all that and then the money would always flow to us because we were able to control the, the, the two thirds of that, that equation. And then we would do 50, 50 joint ventures. We would look after it. We would manage it. We do the taxes, the bookkeeping, whatever had to, had to be done with it. And so don't get caught up in thinking that if you don't have the money, you can't do this. It's, I've seen so many people do it where they don't have the credit and they don't have the money, but yet they've built this incredible portfolio. Um, and, uh, and, and that's how we did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that, man. Uh, time and time again, I know I hear from investors who are starting out. They're in that place. Maybe they're they're young, or they've tapped out all their their capital resources already. And yeah, the, you hit the wall. Where okay, where am I going to get the funds from now? Who's going to qualify for mortgages? Things like that. And yeah, it's just just like this this wall comes up for them. And right. it you know just hearing you say it as well as as many other people say, yeah, this is not. You've got to push through this. But how do you push through this? Okay, well mindset, having the team in place, finding the deals, controlling the other side, 
of the uh, the real estate equation so that people can just come in with the money who maybe you know don't want to do all the work something to be said for that right, right? yeah there's way more money out there than there are deals mm-hmm. so you get really good at controlling the deals and the money will flow to you mm-hmm. right? and and i know i'm making it sound simple but it is it is that simple it really is and then what you got to do then is then be able to to showcase that to your your followers could be social media. Mine was the newsletter. And like, well, and people say, well, yeah, but my newsletter isn't that big. Yeah, neither was mine. I only had like five or six people in the beginning. Two of them were my one was like my hotmail, my Gmail, two were my wives, and I put my kids on there. And they had no idea what I was sending them. So <laughs> so you, you you got to start with a small list. Yeah. And then you'll and you'll grow eventually. I think the problem is that people just have a hard time starting. They're like, oh, well, I don't want to start at the bottom. Everybody starts at the bottom. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, Gary, I, I want to ask you one more question. Maybe talk about, uh, you know, what you're at now and what you're, what you're doing now, how you, how you help people um, do real estate investing. But I remember in our, in our conversation before, you'd said you, you'd grown, grown to a certain point where, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you basically said, I don't, I don't need any more properties. Right. Yeah. You got to a yeah. certain point. So uh, two part question. One, how many properties was that for you? And two, why did you say at that point, I don't need any more? Yeah. Um, okay. So we had gotten to, I remember I had a goal of getting 20 properties and we had gotten to 19 uh, and then we just stopped. Then it was one of those things where, okay, well, where do we want to take it? Do we want to buy apartment buildings? Um, you know, because I'm seeing a lot of people that I look up to and, and um, that, that 100, 100 doors, or they have 200 doors or 500 doors. It's crazy. And those are great portfolios to have. Not by no means am I knocking them. It was just, do we need to get to that level? And so we went, me and my wife took a course on uh, multifamily, went and looked at some. And um, we went to our a Christmas party. And one of my mentors was there as well, too. And he's like, hey, so what's next for you guys? I go, oh, we're going to buy apartment buildings. And he goes, uh, and, and I think he saw the look on my face. I didn't look, I didn't seem confident or I didn't say like with, with excitement. And he goes, well, that's one way of doing it. So, <laughs> then, <laughs> so then I was like, hold on a second. I had to kind of rethink it. You know, is this what we really want to do? Do we have a love of real estate investing? And when we started asking some pretty tough questions, my wife and I realized we don't. We don't love real estate investing. We love the freedom of choice and the peace of mind that it creates for us. So then, okay, so we've we've built the wealth. How many more doors do we need? And so then we started saying, okay, well, why why don't we sell some of these properties? And why don't we maybe start another company, which is what we did, which was called Deep Pockets. And then we started getting into private lending. And so with the private lending now, um, yes, you're not getting the appreciation. Yes, you're not getting the mortgage pay down, but it allowed us to get more cash flow coming in on a monthly basis, which then allows me to do these podcasts, do my own podcast, um, do the webinars, uh, touch other people's lives, even if they only buy one investment property, um, to show them that you know there, there are other ways that you can actually have uh, a nice retirement. And, and that's what we kind of focus on now is doing more of that as opposed to building our portfolio that way. So really, we're trying to create 
more freedom for ourselves. And I guess just to add that as well, too, because people are like, well, what, what's your work-life balance like? And finding that work-life balance is very difficult. Um, some people say they've, they've been able to do it. I've tried and it's super difficult. And so here's what we do. We decided that we were going to create mini retirements. And we did that sitting down with our kids when we first started the business. And so, you know, we, we got this big Bristol board and we wrote down smart home choice in the middle. Like, hey, what do you guys want from like, oh, we want a mascot. Oh, we want, we want to make a million dollars a month. We want two months off. I'm like two months off. Why about four months off? Yeah, let's do four months. So we got them involved in building what we were building. And so with the four months off, we take July and August and we take uh, December and January off. And so from... February to June, it's long hours, right? But I'm also enjoying what I do. Um, but then once July and August hits, you know, we've got a cottage. We go up there, we hang out, our friends come up, we see you, we boat, we fish, we do whatever we want to do. And by the end of August, I'm actually done partying. Like I'm literally, I don't want to take any more shots. I don't want to <laughs> drink any more alcohol. I'm done. And then I'm back into work mode again. Mm-hmm. You know, and so then instead of waiting now, and I think it goes back to the conversation that I had when I was at work, I can't wait till I'll you know, retire till I'm, when I, I can't wait till I'm 65. So I can retire. I'm like, why don't I retire every year? Mm-hmm. And, and so that's what we did. We built a business around what we, the lifestyle that we wanted. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. This is really the reason why I wanted to have you on the show to talk, to, to get to this point, right? Is, is to say you, you guys you used real estate to get what you wanted out of life as opposed to use your life to get a whole bunch of real estate. Right. And, uh, you know, for people who've been listening to the show for the, the month that's been, you know, leading up to this, uh, our interview here, um, I, I wanted to go out and talk to people who are doing different things within real estate for the reason of, yeah, how do we create this for us? intentionally so that we don't end up in a spot where you know we're just buying multifamily because that's the next logical progression right. right i think it's so so important it's such a good message to send regardless of like you know say you wanted to own 20 properties you wanted to own 100 but asking yourself okay what kind of a lifestyle is this actually going to create for me because when i hear you talk about it i i hear this very intentional how do we create freedom? How do we create the kind of time off we want? How do we have the kind of impact we want? But also, um, how much financial support do we want to have from this too? Like all these pieces coming together to create what you want. I just think it's fascinating. Yeah. And and it, and it kind of came down again to like just even one of my early mentors, like always tie a why to your investment property. So like, okay, cool. My son's education, my daughter's education. Um, for my wife, to, for her car, my car, uh, for our trips. And then it just got to this point of, I wasn't tying any more wise to it. And mm-hmm. I was buying it just to buy them. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, hold on a second. I'm, I'm, I'm losing where I'm going here, you know? And, uh, and that's why it's, I think really important just to, to, again, write down what you want, your wise and, and, and attach it to it. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Would you say that, you know, now your focus with these, you know, with your company, with doing the podcast, with doing the webinars, is is that about, you know, are, are you looking, I mean, forgive me if, I, if I've maybe mistaken it, are you looking to bring people into some sort of coaching program that, where you can help them out? Or is this purely just, hey, I've got what I need. There's been a lot of people that have helped me. I just want to impact others. 
Like what's, what's the rationale yeah, behind so, it? Yeah, it's a good question. So we do have a real estate investment club. Okay. Um, there is um, a monthly fee to be a part of it. Like, so, so you also get a coach too. So I've got a couple other um, uh, investors and realtors that work with me. Um, but the $50 is really just to kind of keep things going. It's the $50 is the money maker. The $50 is to have the admin there to create the event, um, to reach out to the guest speakers, to create the covers, to, to do everything that happens in the background to kind of keep it all going. And really that is to try, and, and again, just to help individuals that are trying to get into real estate investment because they know that it's a, a, a strong vehicle um, and to do it with a team, to do it with people that have, made the mistakes and also have had the success. Uh, and then there is one additional layer on top of that where my wife and I, we do have a VIP mentorship coaching program, which is for six months. And so then that now kind of takes you through um, goal setting, reverse engineering, uh, money, the difference between currency and uh, and, and, and money. And, um, and uh, what else is there? There's... Um, uh, the history of money, which I think is important, taxes, uh, bookkeeping, keeping strict accounts, um, running the numbers, uh, how does joint ventures work? And so we kind of do a deep dive into that. So that at the end of the six months, you can just duplicate exactly what we've done. Mm-hmm. Cool. On, on that point, Gary, what, what would you say are some of the things that you see as common uh, mistakes from real estate investors who are trying to grow their portfolios? Say they've got maybe, you know, two, three properties and now they're trying to expand uh, yep. to that next level. What would you say are the things that people are kind of screwing up? Analysis paralysis. <laughs> I would say that's probably number one, you know, where they, they attend a class, they attend the next one. Oh, this is a great strategy. Oh, I didn't see this one before. This is another good one too. Oh, okay, I need one more class, and they keep doing it, um, and they feel like they just they need a little bit more or a little little bit more. It shouldn't really take you more than three to four months to really kind of go out and say, okay, this is a strategy that I want to go down um, and uh, and take action. Right? You're not going to know it all. You know, I've been doing it now for you know 13, 14 years now. I still don't know it all. I know a lot, but I still don't know it all. So, and you don't need to just find a strategy and then, and then do it. Mm -hmm. Master that strategy before you move on and mastering a strategy might take you three or four years. And then once you do that, then move on to another strategy. Mm -hmm. I like it. And so, and so for me, what I did was I did, I did the burst strategy in the beginning, messed it up, right? Had no idea what I was doing. So screw that. Then I did rent to own. Um, then we did single family, then we did went back to the burr. Um, and then we were looking at the apartments and then that was when we were like, okay, we're done. We're good. We, we, we don't need any more. I'm not saying I won't buy any more investment properties. If something comes across my desk, that's incredible. I might pick it up, but it, it's not really what wakes me up out of bed every morning. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Uh, Gary, could you also talk about this, uh, the shift that you have, because um, I've been having a good a good number of conversations with people about this, who they've owned real estate for a decent period of time, or they have a yeah. number of properties, and um, they have to rid themselves of this belief that like I have to constantly own my real estate and I can't sell it. Uh, I've got to own it until it's all paid off, and then I can really reap the rewards of like the cash flow of having a property that's paid off. 
Okay, so I've, I've been been hearing this from different people. Well, they're, they're shifting their mindset from, well, wait a second, I don't want to wait until I'm sixty, sixty-five, whatever it may be. Why don't I sell a couple of properties and put them into something that produces more cash flow? Okay, right. so i.e., private lending. Yeah. Could you maybe talk about how this this shift? What what that felt like for you going through that and kind of. Uh, you know, moving some money from properties into private lending and, and some of the, the things that maybe come came up for you just from a mindset standpoint in, in doing that? The, the shift? It, yeah, like like what, how long did it take or like what, what? Yeah, like, you know, in terms of was it weird for you to mm, sell yes. properties because it, you're it, taught to buy and yeah. buy and buy and You know what? Yeah, that's a good question. It, it really wasn't that weird for me. And, and I'll tell you why, because um, one of the earlier strategies I did was rent to own. So I'd actually kind of gotten a little bit comfortable anyways with selling the properties because as with rent to own, we were doing three-year terms. And so they were almost like these long-term flips. Um, so, th- so in being comfortable in getting rid of some of these properties, I think I was already okay with, with, with some of them being offloaded. So the shift wasn't that difficult. Um, I think the hardest shift for, for myself and my wife when we were doing it was, um, you know, if we do lose these properties, right, um, how will we be able to find the deals? Will we be able to to find these second mortgages or first mortgages to actually lend our money out or, or are these funds going to be sitting in some account somewhere? I think that was probably more uh, the question that we had. And, and so we, but we've been fine though. And I think we've been fine because we created that company. We're like, let's not wait for somebody to create opportunities for us. Let's just create our own opportunities. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gotcha. And right. I guess the follow-up to that would be if people are looking to start a, start getting involved in real estate investing, say later in life, Yep. Do you have a, a recommendation for them? Should they be looking at owning properties and finding deals or would, based on your experience with private lending and what it does for you from a cash flow standpoint, which really a lot of people are looking for when they retire, would you recommend that route instead? Just just curious your opinion. Yeah, there, there isn't really one or the other that I would really recommend. It's really kind of comes down to what I say is what suits your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, do you need more cash flow in your life? Some people don't need the cash flow. Some people have good income coming in already. Okay, so then you're doing it because you want to create uh, a larger um, retirement fund. Okay, so then maybe you, you buy an investment property and that now is going to get that appreciation, hopefully um, mortgage pay down and maybe a bit of cash flow, right? So it's it's what suits your lifestyle. There, there isn't really, uh, I would say like a cookie cutter um, answer for, for any investor or anybody that's looking to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Some people love rent to own. Some people like the single family. Some people love the apartment building. Some people love burring, um, you know, and, uh, it, it's what, what's, uh, you know, is suitable for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's lots of, lots of different options out there. Just trying to just, figure out what, uh, what works for there, you. There right? is, there's so many. And I think that's why people get caught up in that analysis paralysis because they think that, um, you know, what if I choose a wrong strategy? Or sometimes you read these books and it's like, you know, that 1% rule. And so then now if they don't get that, 
then, you know, well, I got to wait until I get it. And so they're always looking for these home runs. And it's like, just get on first base. It's okay if it only cash flows maybe a couple hundred bucks a month. You know, I get it. You you, you read these books and somebody's cash flowing a thousand or fifteen hundred bucks a month from this two unit. Yeah, that's a home run. Mm-hmm. Not everybody hits home runs, and you know, but but the more you get on the uh, up to up the plate, um, you know, the more you, you're going to get on base, and eventually you'll hit a home run. Mm-hmm. It, it does happen. Just got to keep showing up. That's it. That's it. Yep. You know. Absolutely. Uh, Gary, I, I want to thank you for, for joining me on the show here. Is there, is there anything that you'd like to say to our audience, whether it's uh, you know, how people can get in touch with you or just a final words that you'd like to share with, with real estate investors out there? Um, I'm just going to kind of open the floor and say, hey, you know, whatever it is that you'd like to share with our audience, you're more than welcome to. Yeah. Um, here's what I would like to, I think, maybe share the last kind of words of advice is that I know a lot of people that are thinking about getting into real estate investing and like, yeah, well, you know, we're at the peak or we're at the top. Um, It's not about trying to time the market. It's just time in the market. So don't worry about where you are. Don't buy homes for appreciation. Just buy it for cash flow. Um, Number two, the best way to know where things are going or where we are right now is a study history. And so I've been a, a, a huge, um, huge at studying history, going back and seeing what happened as far as Roman Empire times and the printing of money back then and what happened in uh, the 1900s and the, the Roaring Twenties and the Great Depression and Bretton Woods in 1944 and what happened there in 1971 with Richard Nixon. And so by studying those key moments in history, It'll then give you a good idea and a good prediction of where things are going so that you can make educated decisions. And so with what we're seeing today, this has happened before. This is not new. It just feels different. And so history doesn't always repeat, but it definitely rhymes. So study history. That's the best crystal ball for the future. Um, uh, and, and so if anybody wants to learn more about me, uh, two sites, they can go to smarthomechoice.ca uh, to learn more about what we're doing out here. Um, or they can go to GaryHibbert.ca. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Gary. It's, it's been a pleasure. I, I learned a lot. I always love listening to uh, these episodes when I go back and, and hear them a second time. The, yeah, just, just appreciate you making the time to do this with me. It's, it was a good show. And uh, yeah. yeah, thanks for coming on. It was good. Listen, I, and I appreciate you having me on. And uh, it, was, uh, it was a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed this. I always enjoy doing these, these, yeah. these shows. And, and, and you know what? If it can just change even just one person's life, that's 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 why i continue to do these yeah 100 man we appreciate it all right cool thank Great. you sir thank you thank you for listening to the revenue with real estate podcast we hope you've enjoyed the show just a couple of more things before you take off if you want to learn more about revenue you can check us out at revenue.com you can also follow us on youtube facebook and instagram on youtube at revenue with real estate facebook revenue with real estate or on instagram at revenue canada If you have any questions, comments, feedback, or anything that you want to share with us here at the show, please send us an email to info at revenue.com. Revenue with Real Estate, helping you understand the real risks and rewards of profitable real estate investing so that you can lead a life that you love. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to welcoming you to the Revenue with Real Estate community. 